study night. And I'll tell you what, I love my church. I love Turning Point Apostolic Church. Uh, do you love each other? I'm so blessed to be your pastor. And uh, this, is, this is who I am. This is what I do. Serve the Lord. Live for God. I want to talk to you tonight. <clears throat> We're going to eventually end up in the book of Psalms. And we'll end up at chapter 101. Psalm number 101. There's a book that I read years ago. And it's called Ordering Your Private World. Ordering Your Private World is a book about organizing uh, inwardly, structuring yourself, self-discipline. Um, I cannot find that book right now, so I need to reread the book. Um, I was trying to find it. I put a text out to our ministers. I was thinking I might have lent it out to somebody. I think I did, but maybe not one of them. Um, but I, I want to just kind of talk to you a little bit tonight on some of what that book deals with. And it, basically, the author deals with living successfully from the inside out. Uh, the premise of this book is that the pace of modern life is impossible to maintain without running our spiritual tanks empty. So many people are running on the cheap fuels of talent and natural giftings, momentum and caffeine fixes, instead of the depth and energy that comes from a, a purposeful decision to be slower, more honest, and reflective. And as we are all in this Western lifestyle together, it's often impossible for us to perceive who is running on which type of fuel until it just begins to show cracks. Cracks begin to appear. Gordon MacDonald is the author's name, and he's observed that many lives are sudden sinkholes just waiting to happen. Because the message we get from the world encourages us to focus on the surface levels of our lives, including how they may look to others. And there is a gaping chasm beneath this veneer which so often remains unfilled. He draws a <clears throat> clear distinction between being driven in your approach to life as opposed to being called. Driven opposed to being called. Driven people may tend to regard life with a what's in it for me type of filter. They, they, they wear fatigue and stress as badges of honor. Gratified only by accomplishment and positive feedback, they read books and attend seminars with the sole aim of being even more productive. All they, although they may appear to be altruistic and heroic, in reality they are exhausted approval seekers needing to constantly hear the words, well done. They are preoccupied with visible symbols of accomplishments such as office sizes, social media followings and the like. Their, their minds never stop ticking away, wondering how they can get better connected with all uh, the other so-called greats in their field, all the while keeping their eyes open to see who is recognizing and applauding them. On the other hand, those who are called versus being driven, those who are called have no need to grandstand or impress anyone so they can take time to nurture their inner worlds. 
knowing they aren't the center of the universe, they take time to ponder the mysterious little things in the world. When they do give, they are free to do so out of a deep reservoir. And they don't bother keeping track of who's watching them because they know that's not what the issues of life are all about. I've shared with you a few times since uh, in the past few years, several years really now, <laughs> since it happened when I was 40. But I went through this little midlife thing when I turned 40. I got a little down on myself. I was beating myself up. I was uh, taking an inventory of my life. I became a little discouraged when I kind of began to compare myself to other people, other ministers, other pastors, other churches. And I was thinking in terms of I really thought I would be farther than this. I thought I would have done more than this. I, I don't feel like I'm doing enough for the Lord. And the Lord <clears throat> really uh, showed me something during that time, he took me to the Word. <laughs> Go figure. He took me to the Word. And he showed me and reminded me in the Word how that on Judgment Day, uh, the, Jesus refers to two groups of people on Judgment Day, two different uh, accounts, but, but two different peoples. And, and one is the group that when the Lord says uh, he's, it's Judgment Day and, and uh, he's sorting out the goats from the sheep, I believe it were, and, and he, he tells one group, depart from me. He says, I was, um, he says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me and, and I was thirsty and you didn't give me to drink. And Actually, he says to that group, depart from me for I never knew you. And their, their retort was, but Lord... And they begin to offer up all these things. They said, Lord, we've done all of these things in your name. And they begin to list them off. We've prayed in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We've done this in your name. We've done miracles in your name. We've done this. All these things. They begin to rattle them off. And his response to their retort was, uh, I never knew you. I never knew you. And then there's the other group. The other group is the ones who he says, enter. Well done. He says to them, he says, I was... I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And this group is just as incredulous as the other group. But their, their retort was, but Lord, when did, when did we do these things? When did we, when did we clothe you and feed you and, uh, and give you drink and visit you? We don't remember any of these things. And his response to their retort was, Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So when they visited the person that was the prisoner, didn't look like Jesus, but it was Jesus. When they fed that hungry man on the street, didn't look like Jesus, but it was Jesus. And here's what the Lord showed me. That in these two groups, one of them was meticulously keeping score. They were keeping score of the things they did in the name of Jesus, things they did for Jesus, things they did for the kingdom, things they did for the church. I've done this for the pastor, and I've done this for the church, and I've done this for so-and-so. And, and they may not keep it written down, but it's in their minds. It's a list that they're checking off, keeping track, so that on Judgment Day, they said to the Lord, we've done all of these things, and we know we've done them. We, we, we've been keeping score. And the other group was, was just blown away. When did we do these things, they said. And, and the Lord showed me there's two groups of people that, uh, that hang around the church and hang around the kingdom. There are, are those who are serving out of just keeping score. They're just checking off the list. They're just trying to, it's service mentality rather than relationship mentality. 
And the ones who are really plugged in, the ones who are really here for the right reasons, in the kingdom for the right reasons, who, who are here not just to serve, to be seen, but to serve, to serve the Lord. Everything they do, they do it as unto the Lord. They're not keeping tally. They're not keeping score. And the Lord showed me that, hey, you're not so far off here. You feel like you haven't done much, but you've done more than you realize you've done. And I would encourage some of you, you may not feel like you have amounted to much or done a whole lot but I'm telling you you have done things in the kingdom of God that you haven't kept score but heaven is keeping score and one of these days oh hallelujah we are going to be rewarded for every selfless act every service that you have offered to the kingdom it's not about being seen here it's about serving the Lord can you say amen look at uh, Psalms 101 uh, if you would with me this this is a, a, in my reading just recently. I came across this chapter, and the Lord showed me a few things here. And David, this is a, a Davidic psalm uh, written by David. Um, and um, David's just doing some reflective writing here. He starts out by saying, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. He's, he's kind of, uh, well... To use the title of the book I reference, he's kind of ordering his private world, his inner world. And he's thinking about what he's going to do. He says, I will sing of mercy, and I will sing of your judgments, and I'm going to sing them unto thee, O Lord, o Lord will I sing. <clears throat> Verse 2. Now watch these words. He says, I will behave myself. Anybody ever tell you to behave yourself? David says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Now, folks, David here is, is referring and talking about his behavior, his, his conduct. He says, um, I'll behave myself wisely. And that word perfect means blameless. I'm going to behave myself. My behavior is going to be blameless. Now, follow on. Watch here. Watch here. He says, oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect blameless. Actually, here it, it, it means with integrity. I will walk within my house with a heart of integrity. This is King David, who, if it were the days of tabloids and cameras and, and entourages, he would have been flocked by them. He was in his own way for that day. He couldn't go outside the palace without everybody knowing it's king, it's King David. And people would flock to him. And everything that he did outside his home was very public. So you know when he went outside, he checked his garments and checked the crown if he was wearing the crown and, and uh, got anything in my teeth, got any spinach in my teeth, broccoli in my teeth, how's, my, how's, how's this look, does my smile look, does this tie match, my shoes look okay, because he's going out in public and when he would go out in public, he was careful the way he walked, the way he spoke, the way he treated his wife, the way he would talk to his children, the way he conducted himself in public. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Out there, I'm sure he was very careful. We don't see David write anything here. When he's talking about the reflections upon his relationship with the Lord, he brings it home. He says, I will walk 
within my house. That private part behind closed doors where I really live. What I do out here, I can fake to a degree. I can put on a facade. I can smile when I don't feel like smiling. And I can, if I've been grumpy all day, I can come to church and smile. And you'll never know I've been grumpy all day. Let's be real about this, guys. We could, we could talk down to our wives all day long and come to church and treat everybody like they're just, we're just the sweetest people in the earth, on the earth. David says, look, I want to talk to you, Lord, and I want to plan and order some things here about my private life, the way I behave myself in these four walls when there's no entourage and there's no cameras and there's no tabloids and there's no reporters and there's no subjects that are following me around, watching my every move. Because integrity is not so much about what you do out there. Integrity is what you do in there, in your house, in his house. I will walk within my house. So I wonder, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm, I'm telling you, God's, God's working on me. But I'll just share with you the things God's working on me about. I wonder how I'm doing within my house. I wonder how I'm doing when I'm not in a pulpit with a microphone with live stream cameras on me and 100 or 200 people in the house watching my every move. I wonder how I speak. I can speak eloquently when I have a microphone and I can be careful and I can watch my words. But how, how am I doing? The Lord's been talking to me about, Brother Word. How am I doing when I'm anonymous driving down the road in my new, uh, not new, but my newer Ram truck that's not bright red and everybody doesn't recognize anymore? I blend in a little better than I used to. You get what I'm saying? When I had the bright red truck, I had to be careful because you all knew what I was driving, see. And now I can probably beep at you and you don't, may not even know it's me. How am I doing in those settings? God's been working on me about that. God's been working on me about that. I'm not saying he's working on some of you, but maybe he is. Maybe he asked me to share this with you so you'd think about you. How am I doing uh, when no, nobody that, that is going to, nobody whose opinion can really uh, affect me so much? How am I behaving there? It's about behavior. So how am I doing when I'm anonymous driving down the road in my, in my truck? How am I doing when I'm at Kroger and nobody knows I'm a pastor and doesn't even know I'm a Christian? How am I doing? How am I treating that little cashier that's had a bad day and been fighting with her husband all night long and awake because he was drunk and yelling and cussing at her and she had to find some daycare for the kids and took her all day to do that and she just barely got to work on time and there she is punching up numbers so that I can buy some groceries. And How am I doing when no, that little cashier that has no effect on my life whatsoever how do I speak to her how do I speak to that waitress and that waiter at the restaurant how do I how, how's my behavior with them when I'm in my baseball cap and my and my sweatshirt and nobody knows I'm not pastor Hawkins I'm just a customer how am I treating those people I was at a restaurant one day at a Wendy's years a few years ago and there was a family in front of me and they were I think they were they, I kind of got the idea they were traveling they had some ball gear on I think it was maybe they were there for an IU game something makes that stand out in my mind and the young people were teenagers they were probably some of these young people's ages 
and I, I watched as mom and dad stood back and their teenagers were ordering and they were speaking to the people who were taking their order and they called them by their name and they smiled and they spoke to the other people that were getting their order and they thanked them and they smiled at them and they were just so mannerly, so kind. And I went, so I, I was so touched by that that I didn't go to the teenagers. I walked up to the parents at the table later in front of the teenagers, and I said, I want to compliment you because those teenagers didn't learn that on their own. I want to tell you how refreshing it is to see young people treat people who are serving them with respect, with kindness, with manners. You know what I bet? If I was a betting preacher, you know what I would bet? I would bet that those parents exemplified that in front of their children. I, I would almost bet you that when they were driving down the road in the car and it was just mom and dad and the teenagers in the back, they weren't talking down about people and bad about people and, and people that are there to, they're, they're there to clean up after us. They're there to serve us. I bet they don't talk like that. I, just, I gathered from the demeanor of those young people that they had an example set before them. It happened in the confines of their car. It happens in the confines of their home when they're talking about people. And then it, it, then it shows in when they're talking to people. You get what I'm saying? David says, look, Lord, I'm going to behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I'm going to walk within my house. In my private world, I'm going to walk with a heart of integrity. I'm going to treat my wife well. When nobody knows how I'm treating her. I'm going to treat my children well. When I come home at the end of the day and I've had a hard day, I've had a tiresome day, I've had a stressful day, and I don't feel like anybody messing with me. You know, we can go through our whole day sometimes and treat everybody out there just like they're angels sent from heaven. And we come in the door and we just let our guard down and we can just start tearing people down. Our kids are on our nerves, and our wife is on our nerves, and our husband's on our nerves, and God help us how we behave within our house. That's where, it's, that's where integrity really shows, is how we act when nobody knows the preacher. preacher don't know how you act in your own house, and, and, uh, and, and, and the people at church don't know how you act in your own house, and people at work don't know how you act in your own house, but Brother Deckard, your wife knows how you act in your own house, and your children know how you behave, in the closed doors of your home. Wives, your kids know, your husband knows how we behave in the closed doors of our home. David says, I'm going to behave myself with integrity in the secret places. Let's go on. Everybody's getting uncomfortable there. You don't know how far I'm going to go with that, do you? Well, that's just as far right there. Now this is, so as he's reflecting and making decisions and making declarations as to how he's going to, get this, how he's going to behave himself wisely, this is, these are the things that come out of his mouth. I will set no wicked, that word wicked there means worthless. It's very closely related to Baal worship. So if you think in terms of what the, the, the translators call wicked, they're saying those things that detract from God and being true to God. He says, I will not set any of those things. No, no, not, not, not very many, but no wicked thing before mine eyes. 
Uh, now, let me ask you this. You don't have to answer this out loud. But where are we most apt today to set wicked things before our eyes? At church? At church? No. At work? No. In your home? It's when nobody's looking and nobody knows. And, and, and wicked things, oh my goodness, there's no shortage of them today. They're all over the place. Wicked things, wickedness, wicked things, negative things, false things, ungodly things, naked things. Um, uh, just, just wicked, just wicked, just wicked, just wicked. Debauchery on every hand. You don't even have to look for it. You can just accidentally find it. You have to be purposeful to stay away from it. So in David's day, if you think about how different it was in David's day, really, to get a wicked thing, he would have to go bring it and set it before his eyes. And how different that is today, where we don't have to go get it. It's just there. And so today, we have to do more than just make a decision not to set it before our eyes. We have to make the decision we're not going to let it come before our eyes. Amen. Folks, you can't watch what other people watch on Netflix. I'm sorry. You're a born-again Christian. You can't watch what the world watches. There's garbage on that stuff. And, and let me just tell you this. If you were watching something and the Holy Ghost kind of checked you and, and nudged you and you were wondering, is that the Holy Ghost? Again, if I was a betting preacher, and I'm not, but if I was, I would bet you that that was the Holy Ghost. I would bet you the Holy Ghost was saying, you shouldn't watch that. I, I don't think I've ever had the devil show up and say, you shouldn't watch that. You shouldn't hear that language. You shouldn't see that on the screen. I, the devil's never, never showed up to try to help me to get better at anything. Amen? So be careful. Talk about integrity. What you watch in your home. Amen? And by the way, when you watch it and your kids are around, you're teaching them. You don't have to say a word. You teach, whatever you do, by example, you're teaching your children. And God help us. This is the way it usually works. If mom and dad watch something with just a few cuss words, kids are going to watch something with a few more cuss words. And you get two or three generations down and you wonder why we have kids and young people that can't string a sentence together without. Right? Amen. So David makes this great decision, declaration. I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to set anything evil. Not because of who's watching, because I'm in my house. Nobody knows what I'm watching. I'm living before the Lord. One of these days, I'm going to stand before God, and it's not going to be about, I did this in your name, and that in your name, and this in your name. It's just going to be about, I went about my business doing God's work and watching what I put before my eyes and watching the way I spoke to people and watching and helping people and being mindful of other people's needs. And I'm going to show up on Judgment Day and say, I don't remember doing all that stuff, Lord, but I'm glad you were keeping score. I'm glad you kept record because I, I was just going about my day. Really, in the course of a day, I don't wake up in the morning and try to plan out ways that I'm going I'm to try to help this person and that person. Then I'm going to go down here and find somebody that needs. I, just, I get up in the morning and say, Lord, here, take me by the hand. We're going to go through the day and whatever presents itself, you lead me and guide me. And I just, if I find a place to be kind or somebody needs help, but I don't keep score. At the end of the day, I probably can't tell you. 
I've had people, you've had this happen, people come to you sometime later and say, you know that time you, you did that or you said that or you stopped and prayed for me or you gave me $20. And I don't remember that. $20 to me that day didn't mean that much, but to them it was food for the week. And they remember, they never forget that. Amen. I don't keep score of that stuff. But, but, but it's just daily walking with the Lord. I'm just, David says, in my house, in my private world, nobody knows. Nobody's keeping score. Nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm going to live before the Lord. I won't set any wicked thing before my eyes. He says, I hate the work of them that turn aside. Now, now you've got to understand David's language here when he's talking about hating and, and cutting uh, people off and all these things. As a king, especially, but as a father as well, and as a husband as well, he had to be very careful with whom he associates, uh, the, the influences he allows into his life, and he's making up his mind, there's just some things I'm not going to let influence me, and I'm not going to allow to influence my family. He says, I hate the work of them that turn aside. People that have walked with God, come on now, and have turned aside. Can I talk blunt with you tonight? Can I just tell you, be careful. In this day and age, we have so much so much stuff we have to think about nowadays. Technology is wonderful, but boy, it comes with so much responsibility. It really grieves my spirit when people who have been in the truth and walk away from the truth and, and, they, and, and they're flaunting their new lifestyle out there on the, on the, on the internet. And, and, and for Christians who are still in the truth to get on there and say, oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's wonderful. Like, 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 love, love, love. Love the new look. Are you serious? You're going to celebrate those that have turned aside? Now, I know, listen, David's, David is not saying that if there was a hate button on Facebook, he would hit hate. <laughs> and I don't expect you to get on there and say, oh, I hate you, I hate that, I hate that new look. No. You can just be kind and be silent, whatever. Pray. That's what we need to do. It's not about how many likes they get. It's people need to pray. They need prayer. They don't need likes on social media. They need prayer. But you got to be careful that you don't celebrate those who turn aside from walking in godly ways. He said, I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to follow along them like a little puppy dog saying, oh, you're wonderful. Oh, you're great. You made the best decision in the world. No. I'm going to show I don't approve and I'm going to pray for them. And as for me and my house, it shall not cleave to me. The things that you don't make up your mind. And this is really what I see David saying here. I'm making up my mind. I'm making a decision that I'm not following those people. I'm not celebrating those people. I'm not going to support those people. Because if I do, it might cleave to me. Now listen, folks. I, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a psychologist. I don't, but I do believe that, that there's something to all this stuff we do on social media, this click and like, you know, click. how many of you put a post and people start liking it and it's just like the little, uh, the, the chicken getting some feed, you know, just that feels good. Uh, the little trained chickens that, you know, they train them by giving them a little treat and, they, and that's the way we do sometimes. We get, oh, there's another like, there's another like, there's another like. People get, a, get addicted to social media because they like the likes. But there's also something for us what we click like about what we what we vocally outwardly support what you're really saying is support support amen that's what you're saying amen 
Amen. Look at my new look. I used to be in the church, and now look at me. I'm showing my body, and look at me. I'm wearing things that 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 that, that I've always uh, was was taught that I shouldn't wear. And look at me. I'm going places I shouldn't go. And and there they are with their 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 Bud Light and their new attire and their new surroundings. And you're going to amen that? Am I preaching okay? You cannot like this stuff until it, very long it starts cleaving. It'll get in your spirit. Now, I'm not telling you to, to, to detest these people. By no means. We love them. We pray for them. But you be careful what you're showing support for. That's confusing, by the way, to people, to other people that are still serving the Lord. Can you imagine your pastor getting on Facebook and liking all ungodly pictures and people that are backslidden and what would that would do to you? Think, man, I'm trying to do what you're teaching from the pulpit. Amen. Um, let's get through this here. So, a, a froward heart, he says in verse 4, froward there means perverse. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. I like the wording here too. Uh, it, uh, he doesn't use the term uh, shall not cleave to me. He says it shall depart from me. In other words, if I just if I'm left to my own nature, my heart can be very quickly become perverse. And he says that perversion that's in my nature, I'm getting it out of here. It's going to depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Here we go. Associations. Now, Brother Hawkins, how do we win sinners if we don't know them? That he's not talking here about being, being, having a connection or a friendship. He's talking about fellowship here. No means relationship. I'm not going to enter into relationship with a wicked person. By the way, young people, hear me. It's been a while since I've hit, I've been on this drum a little bit, but you need to know this. The Bible says you need to be careful when you start thinking of people that you're going to date and like and all that kind of stuff. They got to be in the church. That's just Bible, and that's from your pastor. They must be in the church. Don't you get messed up with people that aren't serving God. That'll take you down the wrong path. And don't you fall into that trick, that mindset, well, I'll get them in the church. No, you wait till they get in the church. Because more likely than not, they're going to pull you back rather than you pull them up. So be careful with that stuff now. He says, I, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to enter into a relationship with people that aren't serving God, that aren't walking with the Lord. Just won't do it. I'm not doing it. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. So here, <laughs> yeah, here you're going to defriend some people, unfriend some people. You're going to clean out your uh, friends list here. Because David says, okay, I'm not slandering people. I'm not gossiping about people, but the people I'm running with do. I just eat popcorn and listen to all the good stuff. You're just as wrong as they are. By allowing yourself to be involved in that circle, you're, it's just like hitting the like button. When you don't scoot your chair back and stand up and excuse yourself, you're just hitting the like button. You may not say a word, but your actions say it all. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. And he says the people that slander neighbors, the people that talk bad about people, the people that gossip, the people that are tearing down one another. Listen, folks, we don't need to, uh, we do not need to avail ourselves of people who slander and tear down. There's too much junk in this world for us to lend our ear to that stuff. 
navigate away from that stuff. People that are negative and always complaining and all they can do is, 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 is tear people apart in the church, stay away from those people. Maybe you get stuck with them at the restaurant one time, but as soon as you finish that meal, get up and leave and don't go back to the Mexican restaurant with them until they pray through. Come on now. I'm telling you, this is about integrity. Well, the pastor's not going to know you're sitting there talking about people, and everybody else at church isn't going to know you're sitting there talking about people. But David says, I'm talking about people. I'm talking about things that I do that nobody else knows about. Nobody else is going to know I'm sitting in this little gossip circle here. But I'm going to behave myself right in my own house. Be careful conversations you have in your house. Be careful conversations you have at Cracker Barrel tables about people in the church and leadership in the church and and other churches and other leaders. And I just think you ought to know, I think I told you all recently that the Lord kind of dealt with me about just running my mouth about something that I just thought the people that I was talking to, you know, my mind said, well, they just need to know this. And as soon as I left that conversation, the Lord said, what are you doing talking about junk that's in the past? I've, I've already covered that. I'm sorry, Lord. As soon as I see the people I was talking to, I'm going to tell them I was sorry. I'm going to get out of that junk. I'm going to, I, don't, I don't want to involve myself in negative conversations. If it's not encouraging, uplifting, honest, true, of good report, stay out of it. Notice it's whoever privately slanders his neighbor. That's how we do it. I wouldn't want anybody else to know this. Him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. He's saying, look, I'm, I've got to be careful here. If I'm going to walk right, I've got to walk with people who are walking right mine ears shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me he that walketh in a perfect way he shall serve me in other words i'm going to i'm only going to allow people to minister to me who are of the like mind they're 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 men and women of integrity those that serve be careful who you allow to minister to you there'll be people show up to minister to you that are not qualified I don't mean because they're not trained. I don't mean because they don't have an education. I mean because they're not people of integrity. They'll be telling you, well, you know, I've heard people say, well, you, you go to a Pentecostal church and they're a little fanatic. This minute that comes out of their mouth, they're not doing you any good. So be careful who you allow to minister to you. People who are hurt and offended, they're not going to help you heal from being hurt and offended. So you can't let those people minister to you. How are we doing? This okay for a Wednesday? He that works deceit shall not dwell within my house. Man, he just he just laying it out, isn't he, Brother Gunderman? He's saying, hey, he's putting a sign on the door. These are the people that are not welcome in my house where I'm going to live by a heart of integrity. They shall not dwell within my house. Notice he's talking about who's going to live there. Oh, I don't have time. But it amazes me how some good godly people will bring people into their house who aren't living the way they live. Now listen, I've, if, 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 if my wife and I would take somebody in, they're going to have to understand, if they live under my roof, we don't bring beer in my house. You don't smoke in my house. You don't cuss in my house. You're not bringing your girlfriends into my house. Right? You'd be amazed. You say, why are you saying that? You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. He said, I'm not, listen, they're not going to dwell with me. No, no, no. Unless they're walking with integrity, they're not going to dwell with me. 
oh, by the way, and, and if you're in my house, uh, just you need to know this before you move in. Oh, every Wednesday night, <laughs> it's going to get quiet now. And every Sunday morning and every Sunday afternoon, this house, we go someplace. And you're not going to be in there snoring in my guest room at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning when I'm in the pulpit preaching my heart out. You're going to be out there at least acting like you're glad to be there. If you're eating my groceries and soaking up my heat and my air, come on now. That's just the way I feel about it. Maybe I'm just old school, but this is who we are. My house. All right. So I'm having fun, whether y'all are or not. I'm having fun. But this is good scripture. It's, it's helping me. If it's not helping anybody else, it's helping me. Um, uh, he, he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Not even going to tolerate them. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. He says, I'm just going to clean house. <laughs> I love it. I like you, David. I like you. Okay, so when I was, um, my first job that I ever held was, well, real, real, I detasseled corn for two weeks one time. I decided I didn't want to do that for a living. Uh, <laughs> but my first job I ever had was in the restaurant industry, and I, and I uh, got a job. I was 15, 16 maybe, in Linton, Indiana, at the Long John Silvers. And I worked there for a little while. Actually, I worked at Long John Silvers for a few years. Uh, but I worked in that one for a little while before I moved to Bloomington. So one night, I, I, I don't know how long I'd been working there, but I, I worked there long enough to know that the owner of the franchise of Long John Silvers that I worked for, he, he owned about 80 Long John Silvers and a bunch of Wendy's. He was a big restaurateur, and his name was uh, Bob Ruckregal. I think he's passed away now. But he owned, uh, he and his, his uh, business partner owned several restaurants. And I'd heard the name, you know, it's on, it's on our checks. I always heard about Bob Ruckrigo, Bob Ruckrigo, oh, Bob Ruckrigo. He's the owner, Bob Ruckrigo. He, oh, this came down from Bob Ruckrigo. So <laughs> I never met him. But one night I was closing, and it was, uh, we, we had just locked the doors, and our manager, it was, she was the assistant manager. She had not been a, an assistant manager very long, but she was trying to impress the manager, and she thought, you know, I'm going to get these workers, and we're going to get a whole bunch of prep done for tomorrow. So when the manager comes in, all this prep's already done. And so... We really weren't supposed to do the prep till the next day. We were supposed to clean and get out of there and go home. But uh, so about 10 o'clock when we closed, right before closing, she had the cook back there making coleslaw. And if you've ever, never been in a restaurant when they make coleslaw, it is messy. Cabbage leaves everywhere. I mean, they were hurrying. This guy was seeing how fast he could make the coleslaw. We cut it from, we made it from scratch. Cut up the cabbage, ground it up, all the carrots, all the stuff. And then she, somebody else was uh, peeling shrimp. You don't even want to know what that entails. Oh, a little pun there. Uh, so, shrimp entails. Uh, I'm here all night, folks. Somebody else, I don't know. She had people just making messes everywhere. The place was filthy when we heard this at the back door. We'd locked the front doors just then. And somebody looked through the peephole, and it was somebody who knew what Bob Ruckregal looked like because they said, It's Bob Ruckregal. <laughs> All we teenagers knew, we just knew enough to get scared to death. I, I don't know what we thought he was going to do to us. I guess we had to go down and work at Kentucky Fried Chicken. But, buddy, she said, 
clean that up and sweep that up and get that in the cooler and get that and just get that. And we, man, I kid you not. She said, go around, because the rule was you don't open the back door after close. So she knew he was testing. She said, go around to the front door. So we had about 35 seconds from the back door to the front door till she had to go up there and like had her keys out like oh no big deal you know and but but we were back there we were just cleaning and throwing stuff and slamming stuff and 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 by the time he walked in you'd never known that 35 seconds earlier it was a pit and a half everything was nice and order and we're all sitting there wiping a little sweat and just eh, no big deal now uh I, I think we pulled it off. I don't remember. He didn't get mad. Or I don't think he poked his head in the cooler or anything. He just walking through. I don't even know why he showed up at Linton at 1030. <laughs> but there he was. He had a helicopter. I remember that. He could just fly around land. And surprise, he liked to surprise people. So I learned, um, one of the things I learned in the restaurant industry was, um, in fact, uh, Sister Honeycutt, your dad was my uh, manager when I, came to Bloomington and worked here. He was the manager of the Long John Silver's here, and then he became a district manager. It seemed like I worked with him, for him in some capacity for a long time. But he had, he was very, very, uh, did you ever work for your dad? Yeah. Clean, cleanliness, 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 sanitiza- sanit- sanitizing, sanitization, sanitation. We preachers like to add syllables to words. Sanit- sanitation. He was all about that. He said his motto was, if you got time to lean, that's right. He might have invented that. And also, clean as you go. Clean as you go. Uh, don't wait till you get a big old mess. You make a little mess, wipe it down. How long does it take to wipe it down? How long does it take to walk that dish over to the sink? How long does it take? It's going to take you a whole lot longer, and it just looks sloppy. And I tell you what, I had the reputation, after working with him for a while, I had the reputation of being the cleanest cook Long John Silver's ever employed. You go ask anybody that worked, they still know. You say Ron Hawkins, that's the cleanest cook that ever worked at Long John Silver's. It was instilled in me. I mean, I would, I would put some fish in the, in the vat, real messy job, immediately. Grab the towel, wipe it up, scrape it down, look like nobody had even been in the kitchen. Because I had that instilled in me, clean as you go. I contrast that with that whole method of just getting everything slopped out, slopped around the coleslaw, the, the, the shrimp tails and shrimp tails. that <laughs> slings all over the place when you put them through the slicer and peel them, all that stuff. And I think about that night Bob, Bob Ruckriegel showed up to that little Long John Silver's in Linton, Indiana, and I think about sometimes how we live our lives, just kind of... Uh, as long as Bob Ruck Regal's not around, as long as, as long as the pastor's not around, as long as, as long as you know Brother Worthen's not there, as long as nobody from church is around, but how do you act if Jesus shows up at your back door one night? Or <laughs> I've already told you my pastor stories where I walk up to people's car and. <laughs> and they hide their cigarette. Not you folks, but people that maybe just acquainted with the church. Cigarette, smoke coming from under the seat, flames coming out of their car. <laughs> people walking like this, hiding it down here. Like I did not know. Oh, I have no idea what you're drinking down there. So, who cares? I'm not the judge. Don't live your life based on what I might know. Somebody at church might know. David said, Lord. Within my house, I'm going to live with integrity before you. 
I don't have to run around cleaning up stuff and worrying about who's going to see and who might, who might see what I've been watching on Netflix and who might see what I've been looking at on the Internet and who might see what I've got in my library and who might see what's in my car and who might see who I've been talking to and who might, who, might, who might repeat what I've said. And somebody, don't live your life that way. Clean as you go. Just keep it, just keep it right with God. Get up in the morning, start your day off with Jesus. Lord, I'm humid. I might mess up today, but God help me. I want to do better than I did yesterday. And I want to be a witness. I want to be about your business, Lord. He'll help you. He really will. God, I, nobody's watching, and it's not about that. I'm just going to live before you. I want to live with integrity before you. He'll help you with that. And I'm telling you, you want to have, you want to have family revival? Look around and clean up. Just clean up. This, Lord, what, are you, what is it in my life? I have to do, and listen, I'm telling you, when I tell you the Lord deals with me about stuff, it's not that he just comes down with a fist. It's I, I ask the Lord every day, God, is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my life? And he'll show me things. He shows me things. Because I don't want to displease him. I'm telling you, the stuff, the stuff he shows me, most of you would never know that, I've, that I need to fix. I can, you don't know. It's not stuff that I do up here. And here's the stuff that in my personal life. And he'll help you. Let's stand together. I want to I, I be closer to the Lord. So that, Brother Axum used to say, I, I, I just, he'd say, I, I want, when he prayed, I heard him pray this many times, Lord, I want to be able to meet you in peace. He was in his 70s when I first heard him pray that. He lived to be in his 90s. But when you get in your 70s and your 80s and your 90s, you start thinking about, I'm going to be meeting the Lord. It's not going to be very long. And God, I want to meet you in peace. And that prayer got down in my heart. I thought, Lord, if I die today, I'm going to meet you in peace. Is it, you know, I don't want to do those roller coaster prayers. You know what I'm talking about when you get on the roller coaster and it clicks down and you start thinking, uh, Lord, if I've done anything, God, forgive me right now. I don't want to live my life that way. Pray roller coaster prayers every day of my life. Lord, if there's anything in my heart right now, Lord, before I go over that hill right now, don't just forgive me. <laughs> don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Get on an airplane. <laughs> you're not singing zippity dude. All you're saying, oh Lord, God, if there's anything in my heart right now, you hit some turbulence and you start repenting real loud. Don't live your life that way. I'm good with the Lord. I want to be good with the Lord. Amen. We're good. Lord, we're, now you and I, I'm going to try to keep it right with you. If I keep it right with him, I'll keep it right with you. Amen. Because I can't love the Lord and, and hate my, my neighbor. So if I'm right with God, I'm going to be right with you. What we do a lot, we try, to, we, try to, we try to make sure we're okay with everybody on face value. They're not mad at me. They're impressed with me. Listen, it's about God. When you're right with God, David had this. He knew. And Lord, if I order my steps right, if I, if I do right in my own house, then I'll be okay when I get out of my house. I'll I can't treat Brother Bunch badly. I can't slander him. I can't talk badly about him. I can't gossip about him if I've been talking to Jesus this morning in my own house. Amen. Lord, help us as your people, as your bride, as your church. Help us in these last days, God, when this harvest is so white and ready to be harvested. God, help us to be about your business. Lord, help us to be sincere, to have pure hearts to have righteous lives and hearts before you, not to be worried about impressing people, uh, Lord, but to, to be concerned with having relationship with you, 
drawing close to you. I pray you'll help us with this. For Lord, I know that if we are right with you, we're going to be right with one another and we're going to win this world. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer for your people. And we give you the praise and the glory. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Next service.